0: What's going on, everybody? I'm Alex Mueller, and welcome to the second episode of the No Chalk Locks podcast. If you're looking for the best sports insights, bets, and news around various leagues, you've come to the right place. Week one of the NFL is in the books, and boy, was there a lot of exciting games that took place. We'll definitely cover those later in the podcast. Right now, it's currently Tuesday morning, and we're coming off of a fresh Monday night game that featured the Ravens and Raiders, and what a game that was. The Raiders finished off with just an exciting finish We can't wait to talk about that one later on, but before we jump into that, be sure to follow us on Twitter at No Chalk Locks. Currently running a promo right now, you'll get a free month of bets if No Chalk Locks doesn't profit in the first month that you sign up, so definitely take advantage of that. Today I am joined by no other than the NFL genius himself, Miles Jordan. Miles, my man, what is going on?
1: It's going good, Alex. I feel like uh, genius is a strong word, but I'll take
0: it. That's awesome. Um, Well, we have a lot to discuss. Definitely a lot to discuss. We'll go over a week one recap on some games. We'll touch upon some potential week two bets. And then we'll get into some of your thoughts regarding the MyBookie Super Contest. Um, And we'll have to go more in depth near the end of the podcast for people who are unaware of what that is. But let's kick off with the Cowboys and Buccaneers. It was the Thursday night game that started the NFL season. And let me give my thoughts real quick on this one, because I watched it, and I was actually shocked on how the Cowboys looked. Um, Dak looked comfortable from, from the jump, just looked great. They gave the Bucks a run for their money. My biggest problem here was C.D. Lamb. Too many miscatches, a big third-quarter turnover that led to a Tampa Bay touchdown right after that drive. What's kind of your takeaway from that game?
1: Yeah, so I would actually – push back a little bit on deck looking great from the jump um i think he his numbers were fine from the start but I just going back and watching tape i thought that he looked a little stiff and a little reluctant to actually plant on that knee slash ankle um which he has such a strong arm that he can just kind of throw the ball without stepping into his passes and get away with it but I could tell that later on in the game, he started to trust that his body was 100% or at least good enough to step into his throws, and I felt like that made the difference. Um, I was a little surprised at how good Dallas looked, but I feel like that's a team where they're going to be in every game just because their offense is so good.
0: Yeah, I feel that for sure. I mean, they had no problem covering that plus 9.5 is what the line closed at. Um, and now they're putting a the spot again on the road week two against the Chargers who happen to pick up a W against the Washington football team. Right now that spreads listed at plus two and a half on the road for the Cowboys on a super high total 55 and a half points. Is this kind of an overreaction to how well Cowboys looked in the first game? Yeah, I
1: mean, it could be, but I also think that, The Chargers are due for regression, as we talked last week. Um, At two and a half, I'd probably stay away. If it gets to Dallas plus three, that'd be something that I would play. I know for our VIP subscribers, we actually got on that total of over 52 when it opened. And like you said, now it's at 55 and a half. So feeling good about that.
0: Yeah. And here at No Chalk Locks, we're definitely notorious for moving lines, right? We get lines early and. They tend to move up or down based on whatever direction we've we've hit it in. So that's definitely a good sign for our members and us as well. Um, and on the Buccaneers side of things, I mean, <laughs> they didn't cover the spread against the Cowboys. And now they're faced with an 11 and a half spread at home against the Falcons. That's also a higher total at 51 and a half. Is this a bounce back game for the Buccaneers to cover a spread?
1: Yeah, I'm a little confused by this line, honestly. Um, it's a division game. Obviously, the Bucks are at home, but they were at home last game. The Falcons started off a little slow uh, last game against the Eagles, but that game was deceiving, in my opinion. They, the Falcons, first two drives they marched down the field seventy yards both drives, but they ended up kicking field goals. Um, they had five penalties in eleven with eleven minutes left in the second and they already also had a 100 yards on the ground with 11 minutes in the second. So, I felt like they started off strong and there was just penalties just totally derailed half their drives. Now, I will say that we also have the Falcons at plus 14 instead of plus 11 and a half. We did have to buy a half point, so we have plus 14 minus 125. And I just think that the Bucks are definitely the better team, but with such a high total, I feel like the Falcons could easily come in the back door and cover such a high spread.
0: Yeah, I definitely think with it being a high total, there's got to be some points scored here from the Falcons, and I think that higher spread kind of gives them that advantage there for sure. On the other side of the ball was Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, who just put on a hurt against the Atlanta Falcons this week, 32-6 to win. And Jalen Hurts had himself a nice game as well. He ended up hosting a line of 264 passing yards, three touchdowns, and went 27 for 35. Will that continue when they go into week two hosting the 49ers as a three-and-a-half-point dog on a 50 and a half point total?
1: Yeah, so one thing I will say about the Eagles is they are doing Jalen Hurts a huge favor by running the type of offense that they are. I do think it's, I I don't want to use the word gimmicky because I feel like that has negative connotations, but it is a Lamar Jackson type offense, right? Where I don't think Jalen Hurts is a top 20 quarterback in the league. If you just look at quarterback who would play in the pocket in a traditional NFL style offense, but the, the way that they are using him with all these RPOs and letting it be more spread out in a college style offense same with Lamar that then elevates him to a team quarterback. So I think that teams are going to struggle against the rave or against the Eagles just because they're not going to see a lot of offenses like that and I I do I do think however that the 49ers are one of the teams who are equipped to handle that Eagles team because they probably see a lot of that Um, type of offense and practice, especially now with Trey Lance.
0: Yeah, I agree there. Jalen Hurts has looked great in the first game there. According to Pro Football Focus, he ranked as the second best offensive quarterback on the week one. So definitely something to look for uh, going into week two. However, playing the 49ers, we saw the Lions put up 33 against this defense. And Goff demolished for 338 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, is that 49ers defense is that a struggle to continue or is or, like you said is it possibly something that they can bounce back against the Eagles with?
1: Yeah, no, let's not. Let's not overreact. This is a classic example of if you just look at the box score, you're you're going to be lied to. It's very deceiving. This it was actually 41 to 17 San Francisco with under 2 minutes left. So, The 49ers legit almost blew one of the all-time – they almost fumbled the bag big time. Um, uh, That game was crazy at the end. We had an onside kick recovery, touchdown, two-point conversion, touchdown, two-point conversion, and then a San Francisco fumble on third down when they were trying to put the game away, and then the Lions had a shot at their 25 with about 20 seconds left and turned it over on fourth down. I mean, so I'm not too worried about the 49ers defense, considering they had given up 17 points for 48 minutes of the game, kind of let, let the lines back in it. So I think I will be on the 49ers side this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely as a spread better, I had negative seven. I know we had negative seven and a half across other books and, I think we were all sweating that one at the end. Definitely when it came down to the last 25 seconds or so, it was, it was definitely a sweat. And luckily the 49ers take that W there and cover the spread. And that was a W for no chalk lock. So um, definitely a great thing to see for week one.
1: Yeah. And Alex, just to cut yep. you off real quick, that that's, that's why it's so important to get on these lines early, right? I, my two biggest bets of the week were a Bucks Niners teaser when they were both seven and a half to make it a half point. And my, one of my other biggest bets was seven, uh, 49ers, my seven and a half. If we had waited to play those two plays, then they would have been losses because the Niners spread ended up at nine, nine and a half, and as did the Bucks. So the Bucks would not have covered the first leg of the teaser, and the Niners would have not covered the nine. So that's why it's so important to get these numbers early.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree any more there. I think that's important because, you know, you'll hear some people say, oh, you should wait to the day of to hit your lines because that's when the market's more correct. But the problem there is that you want to be ahead of the market, right? You want to be ahead of the public and because those lines that come out, they're not going to be spot on, right? They're all going to change. Hardly ever do you see the line open is going to be at the line close. So very important that we did attack early um, and just a great job there overall. The next game we're going to touch up on will be the Panthers versus Jets. This was one of the lower scoring games of the week. The Jets did sc- struggle early here with uh, Wilson, and the Panthers pretty much controlled the game. What, what's kind of your outlook on that one after watching film?
1: Yeah, I mean, this Panthers defense looked fast, right? They were swarming all over the field. And I feel like the Jets are bad, but their offensive line is only ranked slightly below average. So I'm actually pretty high on this Panthers D. Um as far as Darnold goes, I'd say he looked fine. Right, Panthers had the game the whole time, so he didn't really have to do too much. Uh, I saw a funny stat on—I think it was PFF—but Sam Darnold was two for six on deep passes this game, which was at, for two touchdowns, was which was actually his career high on deep passes. So that's kind of an alarming stat. But um, I think that another thing in this game is. Zach Wilson, he clearly has the arm strength, but he has to learn to stay in the pocket more. He, in my opinion, started to bail a couple seconds too early a lot of the time, saying with the Panthers' defensive ends, with Hassan Reddick and Sam Burns, who are athletic freaks, uh, it's just not something you want to be doing.
0: Yeah, that could definitely burn them. You know, moving forward, they they have a tougher matchup next week against the Patriots at home. They're going to be at a plus five and a half spread on a super low total of forty two and a half. Are the Jets even worth looking at at this point?
1: Well, definitely not the Jets. But I know one of my biggest bets for this week is Patriots. Uh, this game doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I felt like we'll talk about it in a second. But the Patriots should have won their opener against the Dolphins. You have Bill Belichick. Against going against a rookie quarterback, which he is 21 and 6 straight up against. Um, We have a Patriots team who is coming off a loss. It's a divisional game where they've owned the Jets. I I just, I'm sure the whole world will be on the Patriots, but I think it's for good reason. And I wouldn't be surprised if this got to around minus seven cup kickoff.
0: Yeah, currently it's listed at five and a half. So it's definitely moved two and a half points up since we've taken. And I mean, they lost by one point against the Dolphins. Was there kind of anything noteworthy out of that game that made them lose that game that you saw through film?
1: Yeah, so the Patriots were driving down the field with about six minutes left and fumbled on, I want to say, inside the 20. And before they fumbled on that, play their win percentage was 78% and after it was in the 30s 30s or 40s so I feel like they were expected to win the game late and it's something that a fumble I would say is uh, more random than say a quarterback throwing an interception so I feel like it was kind of a fluky play the, the Patriots defense looks good and I feel like the Jets offense is worse and the Patriots still held um the Dolphins to under under 20 points as that final was 17 to 16 so I'm also considering playing um the under here it's currently lined at 43 my only concern is the Patriots just absolutely shit pumping the Jets so I might actually look at the Jets like first half under since if the Jets do score I think it comes in garbage time
0: yeah, that, that that's exactly what it was last game as well. Wilson kind of struggled early on and didn't really get anything going until the second half, and even at that, didn't get much going. Period. So right, they
1: they had zero points against the Panthers' defense, which I am higher on at half. But I think the Patriots' defense is, if anything, equal. But most would say better. So I, I do expect that Patriots' defense to control the Jets. Um, offense. And also, the Patriots are going to run the ball, which is going to eat up a lot of clock. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets came out with under seven points in the first half again.
0: Yeah, 100%. I can see that as well. I think that's definitely why that total is lower on the board of the week. Um, But definitely, guys, get on that Patriots spread. So moving on, the next game we will be looking at is the Steelers versus Bills matchup. And this game, as we know, the Steelers defense has been elite, and they proved it early on in the season. They ended up taking a w over the bills. Can you talk more about that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Steelers defense is fast. They recovered um, they recovered a fumble off a strip sack from TJ. Watt. The man got paid, and he's still performing. Um, i i I know that a lot of people have the Bills offensive line um, as a top offensive line. So it's not like the Steelers were just causing a muck against a bad team. Now I will say that Pittsburgh also kicked two field goals inside of the Bills 10. So they could have even scored more. Um, But my big takeaway in this game is actually that Emmanuel Sanders should have had more receiving yards. Now, he he already hit his prop bet over, which we were on this week, but he had two or three other plays where either he caught it and it was called back because of a penalty, or Josh Allen threw a bad ball, or a combination of the both. So I'm actually, my biggest takeaway for this game is I'm going to keep my eye on Emmanuel Sanders receiving yards prop again next week and looking to play it over.
0: I like that. He's going to face more of a tougher defense in Miami. Um, Is that secondary kind of anything to worry about?
1: I mean, I don't know if it's a tougher defense than the Steelers defense. I I would say that they're pretty equal. And once again, I think he went over on his receiving prop with um, basically the whole fourth quarter remaining. And even if they adjust it two or three yards, which I think is likely the case, uh, I, th- I think um, he'll still be a play for me at anything under 45 yards.
0: I like that play. I'm going to look out for that prop for when it releases near the end of the week on that one. The next game we have on the board is the Cardinals versus Titans. And I mean, if, if the one word legit is defined by Kyler Murray, I don't know what is like. Talk about this one. Yeah.
1: Cardinals looked great. Uh, I know Cliff Kingsbury was potentially on the hot seat for some people. But this game, after rewatching it, I actually ran to my books and looked for Kyler Murray MVP odds, right? He had five touchdowns this game, four through the air, one through the one on the ground. Um, uh, Something else we had on this game was Rondell Moore over two and a half receptions that hit pretty early into the game as well. He is a legit threat. He is so fast, and it would not surprise me at all if he overtook A.J. Green as the second or third receiver on this. I think A.J. Green is just kind of holding on to his name at this point, and Rondell Moore is clearly the better talent. Uh, I will say that this is probably a good week uh, this week, too, to play the Titans because a lot of people are going to overreact to week ones, which happens every week. But as far as the Cardinals, I, I do think they're legit.
0: Yeah, I mean, that Titans O-line, it definitely struggled. Six sacks for, on Tannehill. And 21 for 35, Tannehill didn't really have a great game. Derrick Henry couldn't really get it going. The Titans' offense kind of just diminished there in that first week with 13. And then going into week two, they actually play the Seahawks. But they will be on the road at a plus 5.5 spread on a 53.5 total. Is there any bet worthy there?
1: Yeah, I'm going to wait on this game. Uh, Kind of a pro better trick is if the game's at five and a half, you can basically wait it out if you're looking to play the underdog, right? Because if the worst case scenario is it falls to five, five or five and a half, not not big difference. But if it goes to six or six and a half, that's a huge advantage for you. So I'm not going to – if I were going to play either side right now, it would be Tennessee – but I'm going to wait and see if I can get a six, six and a half, or else I'll probably just lay off.
0: So the waiting game on the Titans game for week two, how about the Arizona Cardinals who are a three and a half point favorite? That line looks definitely like something like eye candy here. Definitely at home, 51 over under against the Minnesota Vikings. Anything here?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually – I know I just said that I think the Arizona Cardinals are legit, but – I actually played the Vikings early at four and a half. I, I do think that this is a week one overreaction because the Cardinals look so good and the Vikings lost to the Bengals. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are actually coming into the season, their win total was nine and the Cardinals was eight and a half. So that would lead you to believe that the Vikings are about a point better on a neutral field. Now, I do think that that number is lower for the Cardinals since they're in a tougher division, so we'll say they're even. If they're even, then the Cardinals, even giving them a full three points for home field advantage, should be laying three at the most. So four and a half is just too big of a number for me not to take the Vikings, and that will be something where a lot of the betting public will be on the Cardinals because Murray makes those wow plays and he's got the wheels, and they have the fun offense, and they just beat the hell out of the Titans, and that's a perfect opportunity for me to take the other side.
0: So what about a listener who's listening to this podcast and after wants to go place a bet on this game? Is that plus three and a half line for the Vikings still worth taking?
1: Mm, I would – three and a half, uh, that's maybe, close. I maybe would by
0: the point, half point for plus four?
1: No, I wouldn't buy the half point for plus four. I f- I feel like you can shop. I feel like there's some books um, who will still be dealing four and a half. So that would be my advice. Shop around a little bit.
0: Yeah, because the line right now that I'm looking at is plus 100 on a three and a half. So I'm sure there's definitely other books that are on a higher spread for the Vikings there.
1: Yeah, so that would be – I would get four and a half if, if you can, even if you have to pay, say, minus 115.
0: So I actually got the opportunity to watch the Vikings and Bengals game here in Illinois. That's the game that they show while the, you know, Bears aren't playing. And then I get the Packers game as well. But I kind of want your thoughts on what happened there with the Vikings blowing it against the Bengals.
1: Yeah, so the Vikings had four penalties in their first five or six plays. Um, They just came out of the gate looking completely out of whack. I don't know if that's because they had distraction in the offseason with the whole, is the team going to get vaccinated um, situation or what was going on. On the flip side, it was super conservative play calling early from the Bengals. Um, Burrow didn't throw a pass longer than five yards until four minutes and 40 seconds left in the second quarter. So I think that that's going to lead me half under in their next game because they're going to play super conservative zach taylor clearly is trying to protect his quarterback or just doesn't trust him and they're just going to pound the ball on the ground um i will say that there was also a deceiving amount of points in the first half put up by the bengals because they scored off of a free play where it was offsides and then they Chucked it deep, and it turned into a pass interference, so the ball was at the one. Then they stopped the Vikings on defense after they scored there, and they took a deep shot with 35 seconds left and connected with Chase. So the Bengals could have easily had seven or less points going into the half. Um, I feel like they were fortunate to go into halftime with as many points as they did.
0: So if you're a a week two better and you're looking at this line of the Bengals – on the road against the Chicago bears who just came off of a Sunday night game. Are you looking at this first game long and saying, wow, like Bengals beat the Vikings. They must beat the bears. What's kind of like some advice you would give going into betting this game?
1: Yeah, I know that the public is probably going to think that way. Um, the bears are minus three, minus, uh, minus three plus 100 right now on the yep. my bookie, which is what I'm looking at. Um, I wouldn't be so sure about the Bengals. Like I said, I feel like they were fortunate to score there. I think that Andy Dalton, while he's probably taking the most crap in the league right now because everyone wants to see fields, he was getting the ball out very quickly, and he looked serviceable to me. So I wouldn't count the Bears out, especially coming off a loss. Uh, I would probably wait in this game. If it gets to under three, I'll be taking the Bears, but that's that's all for that I can't be on the Bengals after a week one win
0: yeah I'm not either I can't lean the Bengals at all even you know I'm not sure I even can lean the Bears after what happened against the Rams just kind of a disgusting performance the secondary was pretty much lost Eddie Jackson was nowhere to be found the first play like first drive I believe the Rams had a a Hail Mary down down the field and not even a single guy touched him on the ground so Not a good look for the Bears to start their season. However, one player I do want to talk about on a prop bet potentially when the line comes out would be David Montgomery over rushing yards. He looked absolutely legit, Um, was just creating space on the field, broken tackles left and right. Is that something you can kind of back as well?
1: Yeah, I have no problem with that, especially because this game is 45-point total, so I think that it's not going to be a shootout, which leads me to believe there will be more running. Um, I have no problem with that. Also, I just can't put my hard-earned money on Zach Taylor, who the Bengals were up 21-7 to in the midway late in the third, and he, the man goes for it on his own uh, inside the, his own 30 on fourth and one, fourth and two. It's like decisions like that make no sense. The Vikings hadn't scored all day, and then you're giving them a 30-yard field. So I'm just – I can't put my money on the Bengals who I think have the worst coach in the league. And I, I don't think they're even letting Burrow play to his full potential.
0: Yeah. I think this game actually might come down to who's the shittier coach. I mean, like Zach Taylor with a lot of, a lot of issues in the first game. And if you watch the bears, Nagy just was a disaster as well. He went for it early in the game on a fourth and four twice, but when the fourth and one came up, he kicked it. I'm not quite sure on what's going on there and they were on opposite field. So Not good decision-making. And my problem with Nagy here also is that he loves to create short plays, and it's like every play is like eight yards or less. You have a guy like Allen Robinson find him deeper down the field, right? So we kind of saw the same issue with Joe Burrow early on too. Like I I don't see why these coaches aren't taking advantage of it. So I definitely could see an under on this game too, given that both of these plays – you know, both of these teams play kind of short pass run game options there. So not much to have there. Maybe a Dave Montgomery prop we're looking at. But let's move on from there. We did see the Bears play the Rams on Sunday night, though. Is there anything to take out of that Rams team going into week two?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Rams team looked good, but it's it's a little hard to tell because I do think that they were playing a Bears team who looked lost. Um, their defense, the Rams defense, looked legit. Jalen Ramsey, I think, is the best cornerback that I've ever seen play the game. And it's I say that because not only is he a lockdown Uh, corner when defending the pass but he can come up and lay some hits in the run game as well so I'm definitely not looking to play against the Rams anytime soon Uh, I know that they're currently four point favorites against the Colts on the road and I think that that is still too low I have to check the Indianapolis Colts offensive line injury report because Uh, Carson Wentz had about no time to throw last week against the Seahawks, and I feel like that's what cost them the game because when the Colts were in a manageable position, uh, I thought that they converted pretty well and Wentz looked fine, but if it was third and long, absolutely nothing was going for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, is that negative four kind of a worrisome line? If you look at week one, the Ravens couldn't cover the negative four. The Green Bay Packers couldn't cover the negative four. Is this a trap or is this like a, you know, this Rams defense is legit. The Colts struggled week one. Still take it if it, you know, based on the injury report.
1: Yeah, I think that the minus four is um, perfectly fine to play. I wouldn't call it a trap quite yet. I don't see the Rams losing this game. Uh, I've I just, once again, much of it, for me, hinges on the Colts offensive line injury report, so I will have to look
0: into that. Let's let's dive into that Colts game, that first week one against the Seahawks, where, I mean, this Colts defense is pretty much set up to limit deep plays, and Russell Wilson said, no, I got this instead.
1: Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson looked good. They have a new offensive coordinator this year, and it looks like, that offensive coordinator is going to kind of balance the witches and wants of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And I will say that Wentz started 9 for 10 in this game uh, because I feel like he was put in positions to succeed. So it's, it's a matter of if the Colts can avoid third and long, they'll be fine. Um, I do think the Seahawks are legit. I, I, I am interested to see Russell Wilson's MVP odds as well because I know a lot of the media attention has been, oh, I can't believe Russell Wilson never won an MVP, so this may be his year, especially if the Seahawks come out winning 12
0: games. The Seahawks are at home now on a 53.5 total. With you saying the Seahawks are legit and maybe the Titans bouncing back week one, is there any potential play on the over here or is it kind of set right?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to lay off that that total right now and just see Um, 54 seems a little high considering how much both of these teams like to run the ball but their offensive offenses do have big play potential so I'm just going to
0: leave that one alone for sure so a game we haven't touched on yet is the Jaguars versus Texans Tyrod Taylor didn't look bad and the Brandon Cooks connection was a real thing can we continue to see that moving forward
1: yeah, I got a I got a hot take that I think that people uh, won't agree with, but I I actually strongly believe I think that Tyrod Taylor is better than every rookie quarterback and even every second year quarterback minus Justin Herbert. Um I just think that people really discredit what Taylor has done. What like let's go back to last year. He was named the week one starter for the Chargers before the Chargers medical team punctured his lung. And before that, he was, he was leading the bills to a playoff, right? Like he's not as bad as people think. And I think that there is something to be said that these rookie quarterbacks and second year quarterbacks may be better than Taylor, you know, at even at the end of the season, but for week two, I think Taylor's the better quarterback. So the fact that they're getting 13 points to the Browns, it I, it makes no sense to me. Like if if that Houston team was led by, say, Zach Wilson, then they would not be 12 and a half, 13 point underdogs to the Browns. So I, I think I'm going to have to play the Texans
0: this week. So interesting take here. We had Browns Week One on a plus six and a half against the Chiefs, and that covered. But now we're going to flip the script as the Browns are too heavy of favorites. Can you kind of talk about that Browns and Chiefs game and and maybe why that Browns line is so high right now?
1: Yeah, I mean the Browns looked, Chiefs, and they were they were um, projected to win the game in the fourth quarter with ten minutes left. Their win probability was eighty six point four percent against what people think are the Super Bowl favorite t- uh, Chiefs, either them or the Bucks, And I think that the Browns kind of gave the game away with some turnovers, uh, their little faux pas with the punter late in the game. They even had a chance to drive down the field late and win. They looked really solid against the Chiefs, and I feel like people are overreacting. But we expected them to do that, right? We, had, we took them at the 6.5, so I'm not really... I didn't really adjust them anywhere in my power ratings, and I actually adjusted the Texans up a little bit, and yet now the Browns are 13-point favorites in a game that's only totaled for 48 points. Like, that is that is a lot of points in a game to cover when the total's only 48.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree there, and I think going back to your point regarding, you know, the Browns kind of blowing this game. I think Mahomes is just going kind to of Mahomes, right? Like 337 passing yards, three touchdowns. He, he came to life at the end. They definitely looked good at the end. I think the Chiefs put on a second half rally that kind of brought some momentum back, especially at home. So um, kind of a a blown loss for the Browns, but we care about against the spread, right? That's where we're making money. So
1: yeah, so for those who don't know, going back to what I was talking about with the 13-point spread is a lot to cover for a total of 48. Uh, this is basically saying that Vegas is predicting the score to be 30.5 to 17.5, right? That's That gets you that 13-point margin of victory, and that gets you the total points of 48. Now, I think that The Texans just put up 37 points, albeit against the Jaguars. So I feel like 17 and a half is a little low and I'm not sure that the Browns have any reason to come out and just absolutely destroy the Texans. And I feel like if they put up more than 31, that'd be a pretty good outing for them. Um, Especially with how content the Browns are to just pound the ball on the run. I think that 13 is too big of a line. Texans are laying too many points and, I'm planning on backing them.
0: So Texans plus 13 for you guys that are listening, definitely look to take that line for week two. One game that I'm super excited to talk about, and I think everybody in the world was just like eyes wide, was the Green Bay Packers putting up three points against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, in my opinion, defense-wise, looked awesome. It had Aaron Rodgers just shaking his head the entire game. But really, three points from Rodgers? Can you, like, kind of go more in depth on why, why that happened?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the man was hosting Jeopardy all summer. I mean, he, he was <laughs> vacationing with celebrities in Hawaii. He was doing everything and anything but throwing the football. And I think that people forget how sports work, right? Even a, Even a professional athlete. If they take off six months and don't do anything over the offseason, uh, they're going to struggle. This is the National Football League. You can't expect to do nothing and then go out there and act like everything's normal. Now, I think that the practice in Green Bay this week is going to be a lot more focused, and they're going to come out strong in week two. But I, I feel like this was a game that people just expected Rodgers to hop into and everything be fine, and that's just not realistic.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he had five interceptions all last season and he comes into this game with two, just not a good look. And I think a lot of the public Joe are going to look at this and be like, yo, okay. The Packers had a bad week one. They have to bounce back and they have to crush. Is that kind of that negative 11 and a half line worth backing? Is it too high? What's kind of your stance on that one?
1: Yeah. So I got a fun stat for you actually. Um, In the, in the past 10 years, Double-digit favorites coming off of a loss. So a team that lost last week and are now favored by 10 or more points, 66.7 against the spread. So I actually love the Packers in this situation. I think the logic behind that trend is it's usually a really good team coming off of a a loss. uh, Any loss for a team who's favored by double digits is probably not great. And I think that they just – Tend to let out that frustration in the next game. Um, I actually played the Packers at minus ten, minus one twenty earlier this week, and that is one of my biggest bets.
0: So you're saying sixty six and seven against the spread?
1: No, sixty six point seven so percent. So I think ah, it's okay, like, gotcha. Yeah, it's like fourteen and seven or something of that. Nature. Gotcha. You know, one of those
0: ratios. Right, right. And I mean, and the good part for that bet is that you're facing a Lions defense that looked atrocious. And I think they just lost one of their better secondary uh, cornerbacks, if I'm not mistaken there.
1: That's that's correct. And we're also on the over in this game. It's currently lined at 48. You know, this is a thing where, once again, if if the Packers put up 31, then the Lions would just have to put up. 17 for that to be a push and we saw that the Lions put up over 30 last week and i think the packers poured on as well even if the Lions' points come in garbage time that's fine with us because we just need them to score
0: so we've done a lot of talking about the green bay packers but how about the saints who put up 38 points against the packers defense Jameis winston went 14 for 20 with five touchdowns i you hardly ever see that What's kind of your take here Are the Saints the real deal? Their defense look great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not buying into the Saints being the real deal. Uh, I actually have some money on the Panthers plus three and a half. I think this is an overreaction for sure. Anytime that a quarterback throws five t- touchdown passes with only 14 completions, something's going on there. It's a little fluky in my opinion. Also, the Panthers for the week. Um week one they have some week two look ahead lines and I think the Panthers were one point favorites coming into the week before the week one games had now they're three and a half point underdogs when the Panthers covered the spread, right? So they theoretically outplayed expectations. Now I know the Saints did by much more, but I think plus three and a half with three being such a key numbers, too much love for the Saints. And I think the Panthers' defense looked good, and I would not be surprised to see them turn over Jameis in this game and keep it within that three, three and a half.
0: I'm not ready yet to buy into the Jameis Winston show. I think he's still inconsistent. I do want to note that you did take plus three and a half, However, the line is now plus four and a half. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, well, this is the first game they're talking about and the line moved against them, is this kind of because, well, the public is just overreacting? Let's hammer Saints. Jameis Winston's the real deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the Panthers aren't going to do anything. Is that what's kind of going on right now? That's crazy.
1: I did not know that it's at four and a half. Yeah, I actually would not be surprised if the pro betters come in and hammer the Panthers. Now, I will say, if. You're seeing Panthers four and a halfs out there. That is a perfect opportunity to put them in a six point teaser and get that up to ten and a half. While a lot of people don't like playing underdogs in the teaser, if you get the Panthers at plus ten and a half with a total that's only forty four, you would have to really get screwed to lose that leg of the teaser. So I would actually advise people to yes, play the Panthers at plus four and a half. But also, if it's going to be, stay at that four and a half, I'm throwing them in a couple teasers for sure.
0: For sure. I like that idea as well. And finally, the last game, which happened to be the Monday night game, and what a finish for the Raiders. You know, they trailed going into the second half. The fourth quarter, they put up 17 points. They ended up getting a game-tying field goal at the end of the game to go into OT. Um, and from there, it was just a wild finish. The Raiders got the ball first. They brought it to the end zone. It looked like the knee was down the one-yard line. Then Leatherspoon gets a – I think it was a false start. They brought them back five yards. And then a pick off the helmet into the secondary's hands of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson then fumbles the ball on the third and seven. And the Raiders go on to win this game off of a, a touchdown, a wide open play at the end. That went to Zay Jones.
1: Say, Jones, CU's finest.
0: Yes. So, I mean, a lot happened here. I think a lot of people were on the whole Lamar Jackson train. The Baltimore Ravens ended up closing out at minus three and minus three-and-a-half point favorites across certain books. It was a a 50-and-a-half point total, that game ended up going over. But the Raiders took it. Um, Are the Raiders something to look at for week two when they are on the road against the Steelers at plus five-and-a-half?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm probably not going to play them at plus five and a half. Same logic as before. There's no reason to jump on a five and a half uh, point underdog early because if it goes to six, that's so valuable. And if it goes down to five, then it's not a big loss. Something I will say is last week we were talking about how I was torn because Harbaugh started off so strong with the Ravens, and I thought that the Raiders – We're a team that could potentially cover that spread and we're improved on defense. And it looks like both of those things were um, at kind of a head-to-head matchup here. And so what I did this week is I waited for the Ravens to get the ball, go down the field and score early because Harbaugh is so good at game script early in the game. Um, they took a seven-point lead, and then I took the Raiders live plus seven and a half. So I actually got to enjoy that game when it went into overtime, where I know a lot of the Raiders plus three and a half people were freaking out when they, took, when they hit the game-tying field goal late because they wanted the Raiders to just go ahead and lose by three. Um, I, I'm not as low on Lamar Jackson as you are. I know people always poo-poo him for not being the most accurate quarterback, but he's also the most athletic quarterback in the NFL, and is just his passes that he has to complete are so much easier because of his legs. So I, I do think people discredit that, and I just think that Raiders in Vegas week one, their inaugural game was just dumb. I'm not too worried about the
0: Ravens. So – are you worried about the Ravens though in week two, when they host the Kansas city chiefs as a plus three and a half dog? Yeah. I
1: mean, that's not a great, that's not a great spot to be in coming off of a loss. Um, I do think that if that line, I don't have a line on my book. What's, what's your line for that right now?
0: Plus three and a half at home.
1: Yeah. I, I think that that's going to be something that I could keep my eye on for sure. Um, it's not like the Chiefs. The Chiefs didn't cover last week. Obviously, the Ravens lost straight up, but they could have easily won that game. It was a coin flip, in my opinion. Um, I may take the three and a half. I definitely won't be on the Chiefs side. So if it, if anything, I'm going to take the Ravens off coming off a loss. But I'm going to dig more into that.
0: For sure. I, one thing I do want to touch on this game is the next week matchup where the Raiders face the Steelers. The Steelers, obviously, we know, super good defense. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. Darren Waller had 19 targets for 10 receptions and 105 yards. Is this Steelers defense going to completely shut him down? Is like, How do the Raiders like fare up against that?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what Tomlin does there. I think that Carr was literally just staring Waller down the whole game. And I thought that the Ravens could have done a better job of handling him. Uh, I know that they gave him different looks. Humphreys was shadowing him some. Sometimes they were having uh, their slot corner press up on him. It's just they did give him different looks, but it was so obvious to the casual fan watching the game that the ball was going to Darren Waller. Like I know you and I actually lost a bet on Ruggs over two-and-a-half receiving uh, receptions and we were you were texting me joking if Henry Ruggs was even on the team anymore because he, <laughs> all Carr wanted to do was target Waller so yeah I think that the Steelers do have a secondary um, that could figure that out and they have especially with Mika Fitzpatrick and they have athletic linebackers who could even potentially match up and I'm gonna trust Tomlin to adjust
0: there so Definitely. So we touched up on the week two games and we even touched up on Monday night game. The only one we didn't actually is we're going to bring it back all the way to two days from now is the New York giants versus Washington football team. And for those listening right now, we'll kind of go into depth if there's any edge here to be had on this Thursday night game, the line right now is plus three for the giants on the road at a 41 and a half game total, super low miles. Is there anything to take out of this game from two days from now?
1: Yeah. So I know that we, and our early subscribers got the Giants over/under of under forty-two and a half, which is huge because forty-one is actually the most common um, point total that a game ends on, and forty-two is up there in commonality as well. So a point and a half may not seem like a ton, but in a forty-one point spread, you know, if I pull out the old calculator here. One and a half points and a forty-one point spread is three point six five percent movement. So we got an edge of at least three point six five percent on the total, on the over/under. So I like that. Um, that's how you, that's how you sustain being a sports better at a winning uh, clip the whole time by getting those edges. I probably am not going to play either side unless the football team gets under three if they get to two and a half i'll probably jump on it just because i do think their defense is elite and i think that the giants are struggling with daniel jones and he's now turning the ball over 40 times and 27 starts um which is just absolutely ridiculous and i do think that obviously having fitzpatrick out is going to hurt but taylor heineke uh is As a Carolina fan, I would say he's a capable backup and Ron Rivera knows him well and will scheme up an offensive game script that's going to fit his skills.
0: For sure. Yeah, and something for our listeners, what I want you guys to kind of note that Miles said is he does think the football team can can take the W here and cover the spread. However, looking for a negative two and a half line, and I can't stress the value of a certain line and, and when we talk about it and how much that matters because – I mean, like you said, everything is about finding an edge, the percentage, you know, and that's how you, you know, sustain winning percentages. And when you're betting, whether that's in college or whether that's in pro league. So definitely something to keep an eye on for. And and when you guys are listening, uh, when you're trying to bet on a certain line. So leading that into our next and final segment will be the MyBookie Super Contest. Um, In this contest, you pick five teams against the spread per week. Last year, Miles finished third in the entire world. Very great success he has with NFL. Um, can you kind of talk about your five picks for week two? Yeah. So
1: this is something my bookie also allows you to lock in the spreads um, as they adjust. So, for example, uh, right now I may I may pick the um, the. Patriots at minus five and by the end of the week, it'll close at seven and they'll still allow me to use that five number. So what I do strategically in this contact contest is I pick the lines that I think are going to move just because it gives me value. Now, obviously I still want to like those lines, but I'm just going to pick the value. So right now my five picks going into the week is going to be green Bay Minus 10 and a half is their current super book, um, super contest number. We touched on that earlier. I'm going to take the Panthers plus four and a half. I think that does come back down. So I'm going to go ahead and take that there. I'm going to take the Texans at plus 13. I don't see that going the other way. I'm going to take the Patriots right now, even though I was telling our betters that, Yes, it's five and a half, and I grabbed a three. But I, I would be shocked if the Patriots did not cover this game and did not win by at least a touchdown. In the last game, I'm, I'm deciding right now between the Vikings plus four and a half and the Falcons plus 13. So I'll probably lock in the Falcons plus 13 right now. And just hope that it falls. Those are my selections for right now.
0: So for those listening, there are your five against the spread bets that we like. Um, even though this isn't a super contest, they are definitely bets worthy of placing money on on solo-wise. Um, so definitely get on board with those plays. And week one was underway. Week two is a, just around the corner, two days away. And we're excited to see what we talked about come to life in the next few days and Hopefully you guys are joining No Talk Locks with us and getting some Ws in.
1: We've also probably been the annoying podcast who talks about their wins a lot. Um, but when you go seventeen and six week one, that's what that's what happens. Uh, I we did highlight our rugs loss. You guys heard some of our losses last week. With we had the Patriots and um, we also had the Vikings. But seventeen and six, you're not going to go broke doing that. And I feel like. If you're a casual better, our package is only $50 a month. If you go up even just two games a week, betting $25, it's going to pay for itself in a week. So there's really no reason not to sign up. Uh, You can see how much these numbers move, how valuable getting in early is. And all we do is either shoot you a DM or a text right to your phone. You just got to open up your laptop, put them in, sit back, count the money. So never too late to sign up for a pick package. It's only week two. Memberships are monthly. So you can cancel at any time, but I'm pretty positive you're not going
0: to. So there you have it from me, Alex Mueller, and my co-host, Miles Jordan, the second episode of the No Chalk Locks podcast. We thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Godspeed.